This is the Home Health Revealed Podcast. Hear stories from real industry leaders discussing topics affecting the ever-changing home health industry. The Home Health Revealed Podcast. I am your host, Mike Greenlee, and I have my excellent co-host here, Hannah Vale. Hannah, what's up? Hey, how are you? I'm good. So uh, let me ask you how those New Year's resolutions are going. I don't make them. You don't make them at all? No, I've failed for 45 years making them. So I decided 46 years, I'm done. Done. Man, this is about the time I feel like when people drop off if they're not super committed. See, that's why you don't make them. Right. I don't. Did you, You didn't make them either? No, I never make them. What I do at the beginning of January, actually the last week of December, is look at my my calendar from the year before just to kind of like see where I'm headed. And then I think about my next year just in terms of like what I'm going to do, not like make any crazy changes, just some things I want to adjust. Well, Whitney and I did say we were going to go through this Bible study that Uh you do it for 365 days, right? Yeah. And it's, I don't know who does it, but it it goes in chronological order, right? So you go from Genesis, then you jump to Job. We did this. And we got through two days and now we're seven days behind. Oh, are you doing it on the Bible app where it tracks your days? Yeah, but we're doing a podcast series thing of it. I don't know who does it. So it's pretty cool. Hmm. We're seven days behind. That's why I don't do New Year's resolutions. But that's okay. I mean, as long as you keep going, you're moving, you're progressing. Well, I don't even know if I'm doing that. (laughs) Okay. Well, um, I don't, I don't have anything. Do you have anything like coming up in 2023 that you're looking forward to? Nope. Not looking forward. Just living, just living it day by day. Day by day. Okay. Well, I have wanted to, for years, take my kids on a trip out West. So we actually like sat down and planned day by day what we want to see. I'm, I'm kind of nerdy like this, as you probably know. What I want to see, what history I want to spend the night in a teepee. Like at the base of like Devil's Mountain. a tent Mount. or a teepee? A teepee. I don't even know if they make those anymore. They they do. You can do it. You can like rent, rent. them by the night. Yeah. So this is, I want to sleep outside. I want to do all the things, learn the things. Mm-hmm. Yep. So it's happening. All right. Congratulations. We just lost all our listeners. <laughs> Thank you. This podcast is brought to you by Health Rev Partners. Grow your agency and expand your mission with high-powered revenue cycle management partner, Powered by Velocity, the most advanced coding and billing software in the market for transparency, analytics, and clinical intelligence. So today's guest we have, I'm really excited about, is Amy Rose from Access. Amy is the director of the Palliative Care Solutions for Access. She's responsible for providing strategic direction and delivery of Access Palliative Care, the first standalone palliative software solution. She previously served as the Chief Operating Officer for Sangre de Cristo Community Care, overseeing the acquisition of three home health organizations and creating urban and rural palliative practices in inpatient, home care, and clinical settings. Welcome to the show, Amy. Hi, Anna. Thank you so much. I'm glad to be here. Hey, Amy, have you ever tried to say your old agency three times in a row really fast? Yeah, I'm really good at it. Let's, Let's hear it. Sangre de Cristo, Sangre de Cristo, Sangre de Cristo, right? I've got that little R roll in there. Wow, that was great. Wow. Impressive. (laughs) That was awesome. Well, Amy, let's just kind of dive right in and start with first things first and tell us what is palliative care? 
Oh, man, Hannah, that is such a loaded question. So I'm going to try not to be long-winded in my explanation. Um, Palliative care, uh, ultimately, it's an interdisciplinary level of care that can be provided in a bunch of different settings, um, including inside and outside of the home. So this care is for patients that have serious illness. It's upstream from hospice. Um, The focus of palliative care is really to keep the patient at the center of the care. So there's a lot of establishing goals, discussion of goals of care management. Um, Some palliative organizations are doing pain and symptom management, making sure patients are comfortable. Um, And then advocating, obviously, for the goals of care that have been created for the patient, making sure that they're honored and protected. So there's not a lot of regulatory boundaries around palliative care. So there's not one right way to do it, which is why it's always so difficult to explain what palliative care really is. And there's been a lot of advocacy in the industry trying to define what palliative care is. Um, But I've seen palliative care practices embedded in things like clinics and practices like oncology clinics or cardiac clinics. I've seen palliative care, you know, has been delivered in hospitals for many, many years on more of a consultative basis. And then most recently we've seen an emergence of um, community-based palliative care where we have providers going out to patients' homes providing palliative care in patients' homes. So we like to say if you've seen one palliative program, you've seen one palliative program. (laughs) Okay, because there's not a lot of regulatory yet. It's a blessing to have that, but, you know, I think we'll probably dive into some of the the barriers that that creates as well. Well, I'm sure. Um, I want to go back, though, for just a second and talk about the difference and maybe accentuate it between palliative care and hospice care? Because I feel like the that's a little bit gray for some people. Yes, and I'm so glad you're giving me the opportunity to expand on that. So speaking about regulatory boundaries, because there's really not like conditions of participation for palliative care right now, you can deliver palliative care in all of those settings concurrently with pretty much all other care except for hospice care. So it's a lot, palliative care is a lot of things, but um, palliative care and hospice care often aren't formally given together. We like we like to say, you know, palliative care really is hospice care, that, that interdisciplinary care that's protecting the patient's um, wishes and goals of care. But um, palliative care, again, is upstream from hospice care. So it's giving that interdisciplinary care without the conditions of participation of that hospice care mentality. So palliative um, organizations and providers aren't often needed when hospice takes over because they're giving care in, in a lot of similar ways, but structured in the way that are, are required by the conditions of this patient. So again, palliative care can be given concurrently with aggressive treatment. Uh, in some states, it's allowed to be given in concurrence with home health, which is great. Uh, some home health programs even make palliative like sort of under that home health umbrella. Uh, it really makes a tremendous program for what I refer to, particularly in the care at home industry, as the patients that are in the in-between. So patients that really aren't flourishing or progressing in home health, they have a dwindling trajectory. We know um, it's, they're, they're really seriously ill and rehabilitation might not be something that is achievable for the patient, but they aren't ready for hospice yet either. They potentially are you know, seeking that aggressive treatment or they're just simply not ready for hospice. Uh, palliative care makes a really, really good level of care for those patients. Okay, so I'm kind of thinking through what you're saying 
and you're describing this continuum of care, right? Kind of home health to palliative to hospice. Hospice once aggressive treatment stops. Yes. Okay. So who benefits from, from receiving palliative care? Michael, it's hard for me not to answer that question. It's everyone, right? (laughs) Who in healthcare today doesn't need an advocate to help them navigate their goals of care and also advocate for those goals of care to be protected? Um, Who in healthcare today doesn't need for their pain and symptoms to be, um, you know, top of mind and be palliated at an acceptable level? Um, But realistically speaking, right, it's best for patients who, again, are seriously ill or who have really complex care needs, complex illness needs, um, because when we think about goals of care and really the trajectory of illnesses, that conversation becomes much, much more real when you're experiencing something that is life-limiting or a serious illness, or even just so much so that you have these complex chronic illnesses and all of these multiple different specialists and providers, having one provider that's really just caring about you as a human being and your comfort, those are the patients that benefit most from palliative care. So who, I mean, you've said there's not a lot of regulatory around palliative care. So I think one of the burning questions is how do patients pay for palliative care or other, are there other pay options for palliative care? Yep. And that continues to be the burning question So right now, um, a lot of providers have been giving palliative care under Part B Medicare fee-for-service. Now, that is a very small subset of patients, right? That presumes you have Medicare and that you're a Medicare-eligible patient. What about commercial payers? What about Medicare Advantage plans? Um, So a lot of times we see, obviously, there are markets where palliative care is simply just a private pay situation. That's possible. Um, But exploring whether your insurance would cover palliative care is definitely a viable option. It's going to be a fee-for-service likely um, in a traditional setting. If you're in like a Medicare Advantage program um, or even in a market that may have an ACL, which I know a consumer wouldn't necessarily um, understand that, there may be some payer arrangements that where, you know, it's no no fee to the patient to, to have palliative care uh, delivered, and then that, that provider is getting paid through maybe a risk-based arrangement or an ACL arrangement. Um, but if, if you're looking at more of a traditional fee-for-service uh, realm, then you're, you're probably going to look at, you know, co-pays, deductibles, all of that that you would traditionally work with with, your, with any other specialist or provider. You know, when we're looking at, as a company ourselves, of offering services, one of the questions that you always have to ask is, can it be profitable? So with- absolutely. And I think that there's a misnomer in the industry that palliative cannot be profitable. There's been a lot of hospice agencies that have run palliative agencies um, almost as a feeder program to their their hospice program. And while a, a lot of times that natural trajectory does lend itself to um, transitioning patients effectively into hospice care, um, palliative in and of itself can be profitable, particularly with the emergence of um, again, these ACOs, risk-based arrangements, palliative care can prove some really incredible and tangible healthcare outcomes, you know, reducing rehospitalizations, reducing um, patient suffering, which really can be quantifiable. And so when you can prove that through data as an organization, uh, a lot of times you can get uh, uh, 
community health partners or again, ACOs, even Medicare Advantage plans to lean in from a risk-based perspective and say, you know, I'm going to take on some of this risk and I can prove that, you know, I can improve your patient outcomes and therefore, you know, take a little bit of a, a piece of the pie, which more and more we're seeing profitable outcomes there. Now, the margins making uh, palliative profitable with only looking at Medicare Part B fee for service billing, absolutely difficult. Um, you know, it wasn't really structured in such a way that allows for the overhead that is added when you're going and caring for patients in patients' homes. So I think the most important thing for me when I'm talking to agencies is to help them understand the peer diversity that can be possible in their market. And then if they are going to be doing strictly and mostly fee-for-service billing, they need to be able to really understand that realm and capitalize on the codes that are available to them uh, so that they can maximize their revenue in, in all possible ways. You know, Amy, we are one of very few companies that actually do palliative care coding and billing. And we've seen the growth in the palliative yes. care market, right? So we did the evaluation and boy, it's, it's, it's been a good business line for us. But from an agency perspective, now that we know that it's profitable, what are some of the operational indicators to know that if palliative care is the right service to add? Absolutely. I touched on it a little bit earlier and, and Hannah used the word continuum of care. And I absolutely love that word. And that's exactly what we're talking about, right? We are, if you have a larger agency that has this continuum of care where you're really trying to touch the patient throughout their care experience when they're at the home, in the home, you have a home health, you have a or potentially a hospice line of business. If you're finding through data that you have the patients that are in the in-between, that you're losing patients um, between that home health and hospice transition, or you're just finding a need to care for those patients in that in-between. Or, you know, another thing that I've seen recently is, is organizations that have a home health program who've never really looked at their benefits to see whether um, they have home health kind of lumped into their licensure with the state. Uh, that becomes more of a licensure thing, but you know you can run your palliative care program underneath your home health program. And again, in some states, it's a requirement that you do such a thing. So um, that's the most that's the um, kind of first operational indicator that I can think of is really looking at data and whether you're able to care for patients throughout that continuum. And then additionally, you want to look at your outcomes. So if you're an organization who's just knocking it out of the park with outcomes, if you have really strong relationships with your community partners, you need to look to see what's the value add of a palliative program to this um, kind of global healthcare market in my industry or in my area, and then see where you can introduce the benefits of those uh, healthcare outcomes by implementing a palliative care program. There's about 100 others that I can think of, but those are the first two that I can think of operationally that makes sense. And those are those are good to start thinking about. And we always put data at the forefront, analytics. And it, so as agencies are talking to us, looking online or talking to different people within the industry, palliative care is a hot topic. And it's something that a lot of people are talking about we would encourage people to really think through those decisions in adding those and then thinking about staffing, yeah. right? So as a nurse yourself, Amy, why should other nurses want to work in palliative care? 
Hannah, what, what a great question. Um, you know, a lot of organizations that run palliative programs are very lean. A lot of times we're looking at mid-level providers that are de- delivering care. Sometimes you have a nurse involved in those programs, and sometimes you have more of a medical assistant who's, you know, helping that mid-level provider. But ultimately, I love this work, this palliative work, because I went into medicine because I love human beings, I love people. And when I started to see some of the care delivery models in other areas of medicine, my heart was not being filled. In fact, I think it was being broken by the way that we sometimes care for, or, or to be frank, don't care for people as human beings when they're sick. You know, we care for diseases, we care for disease processes, we're really good at those things, but those soft skills of making sure that, um, you know, patients are really cared for in the way that they deserve and want to be cared for yeah. is is lost in medicine. So in my opinion, palliative care is bringing the human back in medicine and we need more of that. And, and it has filled me in a way in my medical career trajectory that I never expected. There's, there's many, many benefits both personally and professionally working in this work. That's good. So what does it mean to be agile as a healthcare agency and a business person? I know it's such an interesting term, right? It's, uh, it, it, I don't need to tell you the definition of well, agility, I googled it. but I use the Google. Things, <laughs> I always use yeah, the Google. When you think about, uh, you know, agility is flexibility. It's malleability. It's the ability to pivot and transition um, on a whim. And we talk a lot about the word agile in software development. Um, in this realm, in the early 2000s, there was a, a software methodology, a development methodology that emerged, and they called it Agile. And, it, it, you know, it's just that. It's when you are creating a product, you need to be able to, to fit market need, and you need to be able to transition, and you need to say, this was what we set out to do, but then we realized and we learned that's not the right way to do it. Or the market is telling us that we need to pivot and do something different. So rather than being so committed to just doing something one way, you need to be able to be agile and flexible and malleable to alternative ways of doing things. So I think agile is such an important word right now in the healthcare industry, particularly in the care at home industry, where we're seeing this vast transition and change. Um, we're seeing a power dynamic change in, in U.S. healthcare, um, and I think it's for the positive. If we continue to do things one way, and this is the only way to do it, you're going to die on the vine in healthcare in the United States in the next 20 years. Mm. And so being agile as an industry or as an agency is vital <laughs> to the vitality of your program moving forward. Uh, I, I truly believe that in today's healthcare and business world. So I know Agile has really kind of been a buzzword maybe for access. I know when I looked online, you guys are really doing a lot around that word and just that thought. So how really do you see palliative care as an effective conduit to an agency being Agile? You know, we've talked a lot about um, this continuum of care Mm -hmm. and this, this flexibility with various payer arrangements and this flexibility to craft a program that fits the needs of your community, that there isn't one right way to do it, that you should create a palliative care program that serves your community in the way that it, it fits the need. 
um, instead of just saying, this is how we do palliative care, these are the boundaries, and if you don't fit within these boundaries, then you're not eligible for services, and we don't have anything to offer to you. It really helps, you know, when you think about home health and hospice, they do fit within those boxes, and a lot of times it walks back to the parameters of conditions of participation, and while it's, again, a blessing to have those regulatory um, guardrails, it also, it does put patients in boxes, and it does mean that some of those patients fall outside that box, and then they, what, what then, right? They just fall in, into an, a nowhere land. So um, to us, palliative care really is a lot of the solution of the agility of that space in between. You know, let's talk about access for a second. Now, I have been to a lot of conferences, and I must say, you guys throw some terrific parties. Yes, we do. Yeah, I we went, work hard and play hard. Yeah, you do. I went to one in, um, I think it was in Nashville, and you guys like had a live band. It was crazy. I loved it. I, w- I even danced. Yes. People say, people say, <laughs> there you go. people say this that not only do I sound like Matthew McConaughey, they say I dance like Justin Bieber. Bieber, mm. Bieber, Bieber, <laughs> Bieber. I've been around you for a minute and I've never heard anybody say that, but I will take uh, your word for oh, it. I meant Justin Timberlake. <laughs> oh, oh, even <laughs> higher up on my uh, list. Might even throw a little usher in there. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. Well, I can two step. That's about all I can do. It's only Thursday. Now, um, on all seriousness here, um, access is leaning heavily on the idea of being agile right now, right? Very much so. And you guys even have a uh, a conference coming up called Agile. Agile. Agile? No, it's Agile. <laughs> yeah, don't, don't, hey, I'm from Moza. <laughs> the conference here, we get, you guys got a big conference coming up, right? Yes, we do. So, um, you know, we're a big believer in innovation in the industry. We're a big believer in advocacy for, um, you know, uh, the right regulation in, in U.S. healthcare and particularly protecting the, um, care at home industry. And so we do a lot of advocacy um, around that work. And um, our CEO, John Olajide, decided, you know, we need to expand our reach a little bit with that. And we're going to do that in 2023 through an innovative technology conference called Agile. So kind of our goal for this conference is to bring together thought leaderships in, in the care at home industry, just technology technology and healthcare in general. You know, if you're a thought leader in technology or in healthcare or best of all, both, you want to be at this conference. We're going to have some incredible keynote speakers that really also expand beyond healthcare. Um, and then, of course, we're going to take care of our users. There's going to be a lot of um, showcasing our products and how to maximize them if there are users that um, are at the conference. So it's going to be a little bit of everything, and everything at Agile is going to have a flair of kind of innovation and what's next for us in this healthcare uh, world and how can we be using technology to make sure that patients are taken care of at the end of the day. Well, I think it's a great idea. That is awesome. So this 
I'm going to say just, I don't mean it that way, but this is not just a user conference then. This is meant for a plethora of people. We actually say that internally, Hannah. I'm so glad that you said that, but this is not just a user conference. Absolutely. So much more than just user conference. Okay. So I will be sure to link the Agile conference and some more information so that if people do want more information, they can find it. Where else can people find information if they want more information about access, about palliative care, about any of the things that we've talked about today? Yeah, I think that the best place to go is to our website. So access.com, it's A-X-X-E-S-S. So it's spelled a little bit different. And, um, you know, we have a whole host of information on that site. There are many, many ways that you can look at demos and, and con- there's a contact us site. We, you know, have been building technology platforms for many years. Palliative care is really just our most recent software, but we have, you know, solutions for home health and hospice and home care, RCM products, and, you know, kind of runs the gambit. So I would very much recommend that you go to our website. And then another great way to contact us is through LinkedIn. We share a lot of content on LinkedIn. You can kind of follow us, keep up with the most recent things that we are up to at Access. And I think those two are, are would be my recommendation, our website and LinkedIn. Well, Amy, here's the deal. At the next conference that I'm at and you're at, I'm going to show you my Justin Timberlake or Beeper dance moves. <laughs> I love that. I'm going to hold you to that, Mike. Yeah, just call me on stage. I'll, I'll break it down. It'll be a good time. It'll be memorable. Yeah. Unforgettable. Yeah, just give, give me two months notice so I can get some dance lessons. <laughs> so one last question for you, Amy. Do you make New Year's resolutions? And if so... Did you make one this year? Oh, man. I am very much on the camp that you guys are, which is that, no, I don't make um, New Year's resolutions. I don't really believe in them. Um, I agree that if you make them, a lot of times you break them. So I do something very similar to you, Hannah, in that I'm just more intentional about looking at the year. A lot of times every year I choose a word that's going to be my word for Mm -hmm. that year. I have another friend who does that as well and she shared her with me and I was like man now I feel bad about mine she was like my word for 2023 is brave and I'm going to do something brave every single day of 2023 and I was like man wow. that's a lot that's well, awesome. what was your word <laughs> yeah what's your word my word is actually innovation Ooh. so a lot of what kind of what we've been talking about but pushing myself out of out of my comfort zones I feel like even coming to access um was innovative for me you know going from the operator side to the technical side it was it's been such a learning curve and a great opportunity um but i'm going to kind of continue that in 2023 and innovate myself and lean into innovation good for you that's great (laughs) wayne we appreciate you so much for taking time out of your day to be on our podcast um and also we appreciate it i'm honored to be here thank you yeah and we appreciate everything that access does for the industry yes i I love seeing companies that that are here to help in every capacity right um because i always go to some of these conferences and you know you see a lot of people there um but I, i love the companies that spend a lot of time just wanting to educate you know agency owners um just, just on everything that's out there and, and really helping them through navigate through what, what, what's best for them and what they can do. I, I just think it's great. So tell your leadership team, great job. Yeah. And thank you so much for being on our show. This has been great until next time. Absolutely. We will talk to everybody later. Bye.